So what is barefaced stories? <clears throat> Testing one, two, right. So hi. So this is my true story. Barefaced stories is a show that me and my best mate put together. That's me, Andrew yeah. Gibbs. Carrie Sullivan. I honestly don't even know how to end this story. <laughs> like Now we thought to ourselves, how can a couple of lesbos make a baby on the cheap? Here's my name and number. I think you're beautiful. <laughs> They say the clitoris is hard to find, but here it was, turning up in a suburban board game in Glasgow in 2011. And then Stephen Fry says, good evening, good evening, good evening, good evening, good evening, and the show begins. Andrew, what's the worst thing that's ever happened to you at work? Pro- probably paper cuts. I'm pretty <laughs> resilient. <laughs> like the, the photocopier running out of paper? Yeah, oh, that gets my goat. Uh, like somebody like getting coffee grounds in the sugar jar. That's another one of my beefs. My standing desk jammed this one time. <laughs> when your lunch gets stolen from the fridge. That's the worst. That's just plain rude. And the, and the, the microwave is full of someone else's, like, exploded soup. That's a life lesson. People need to clean their own mess. But if that's the, the hardest thing that we're dealing with at, at work, we're doing pretty well. We're not going to die uh, Not like uh, this very next story that we've got coming up for you from Amber Beavis. She works with some pretty scary characters. She works with some of the deadliest spiders known to man. I'm a scientist and I work on spiders. That's what I do. And this story is about the time that I learned that it's very important to always wear your safety goggles in the lab. (laughs) So, well over a decade ago now, I lived in Canberra and I worked on the Sydney funnelweb spider. Uh, Working on a spider like this means you have to go out and catch it. So, I spent a lot of time going small game hunting for large spiders and what this entails is you go out into the bush, you take yourself your toolkit of your pinch bar, your trowel and your grandma's knitting needle (laughs) and you go around looking for burrow entrances on the ground, which is really hard because they're really well camouflaged and when you find one um, you dig it up using this trusty toolkit and that's how you find them. Um, Once you have your spider you catch it and you put it in one of those urine collection jars with the yellow lids that you get at the pharmacy and then you take it back to your science lab and you do science on it and it's really fun. So I had lots of different things that I was doing on these spiders, which are the second most venomous spider in the world. And um, there was this side project I wanted to do, and for reasons that will become clear, I never did complete that, though whilst prepping this story, I thought maybe I'll go back and do that one day. And it was on spider venom. So if you... Again, if you want to get spider venom to work on, you have to first get your venom. And there's well-established protocols published in peer-reviewed journals on how to get venom out of spiders. It's very, very technical. Um, First, you take your spider in its little urine collection jar and you put it on your lab bench. And then you get your toolkit and you tease the hell out of it. So step one... Blow air in its face. They hate that. Step two, call them names. Step three, poke them with a stick. And uh, I don't mean some garden variety stick. I mean the special science stick. So, obviously, when you're doing this, when this is on your schedule for the next week, you get pretty excited. And my supervisor, my PhD supervisor and I were really excited about this. We came up with... 
what we thought was a really good experimental setup. And the way that was going to work was um, my supervisor, well, first of all, we both got to tease the spider. That was the really important thing. Um, secondly, um, he would hold a, uh, a glass pipette, a pasteur pipette, which is like a really thin glass straw. And um, he would use that to get the venom that would drip off the fangs of the spider and put it into a vial that I was holding. And, um, you know, this is a dramatic process, getting venom out of these spiders. I mean, in between the name-calling and the stick-poking, um, the spider will get so angry that it will start striking the bottom of its dish like that. And it gets so angry at the name-calling that it will then bounce back and start somersaulting in its own little jar. And so you can see why we were so excited. Um, we were so excited that we forgot to put on our safety goggles. And so I remember we were standing there and my supervisor has his thin glass straw and we have a really angry, miffed spider that's doing somersaults and I have my little vial that's going to have the venom in it. And I don't know exactly what happened, but as my supervisor drips the, the venom into the vial, uh, the, the straw catches on, on the lid maybe and it shatters and droplets of venom fly up into the air. And my supervisor says kind of blithely, I think, for the circumstances, oh, no, we should have been wearing our safety goggles. <laughs> and I, I'm not really listening to him because I could, I'm, I'm not in pain. Uh, something's in my eye, though, and it's not glass. But... If you think about it right now, I bet none of you can feel your left eyeball. I can feel my left eyeball and I realise that something has gone really, really wrong. I realise that I have funnel web spider venom in my eye. And when, when things go wrong in labs, as they do when you're working with deadly animals and dangerous chemicals, you have a very set series of protocols that you're meant to follow and if anything goes wrong. And I do none of those things. I do the opposite. I don't tell anyone. I don't tell my supervisor. I ignore the eye bath in the corner of the lab and I go straight to the ladies' toilets and spend the next 15 minutes alone washing my eye out. And I, when I come back to the lab, my supervisor turns around and he's like, where have you been? You're missing out all the fun. And I say, we have a, a serious problem. And so we start troubleshooting that problem, as scientists do, because that's what we are. We don't call ambulances. And... Um, <laughs> And so, we, so we're thinking about it and he's going, well, you know, um, we're biologists. There's not much vascular tissue in your eye. You know, there's, there's not many blood vessels there. Um, you know, this venom, it's, it's not going to get to your heart. You'll be fine. Um, it's at this point that I should explain how funnel web spider venom works. Um, it stops your heart. And the male funnel web spider can kill you. Um, so we'd been working on a male funnel web spider. Um, after all this, we decide that hospitalisation, it's not necessary. <laughs> I was young. <laughs> I was more than a little traumatised, and so I did what any rational person would do. I, I realised that the pivotal point here 
is not my heart, it's my eye. And so I really need to self-assess over the next few hours whether the sight in my good eye is any different from the sight in what I'm already thinking of as my spider eye. <laughs> so I finish up, we keep on teasing spiders for a while. I'm really not into it anymore. And... Um, <laughs> I finish up my day and I get on my push bike and I start cycling home because what you really need is a good cardiovascular workout when you're trying to prevent venom going from your eye to your heart. And as I'm going through the city, um, I pass by the local cinema and I go, there's an idea. And I walk in, I buy a ticket to Shaun of the Dead and I watch the entire film going like this. Going, oh, good eye, good. Spite eye, okay, good eye, good, but I, yeah, no, it's still okay, and this film is great. And um, <laughs> it turns out there, there is enough vascular tissue in your eye to take venom to your heart. And um, I, I'm at home and I call my mum and I don't recommend to any of you making that phone call. It's not fun. Hi, Mum. You know how you said that my choice to work on the second most venomous spider in the world may not work out so great for me? You were right. Can you come get me? <laughs> and so she takes me to the hospital and um, we get there and nobody has ever got funnel web spider venom in their eye, ever. So they don't know what to do with me. So they put me at the bottom of the triage and I stay there until I start to go grey and I slumped down in my chair and weird things are going on to my heart and my mother causes a scene. She is incredible and I love her so much. And they admit me and they still don't know what to do but they admit me and they hook me up to a heart monitor and we while away the early hours of the morning in emergency, slowly watching and listening to my heart get better. The next day we go to the ophthalmologist, which was remarkably easy to get into when you explain these particular set of circumstances. <laughs> and they, um, they tell me that there's a hole in my eye, um, in the iris, right next to the pupil. No glass. But it looks, for the world, like an acid burn. Um, but it's already healing. And that's good. And, but to be honest, um, it's never really gone away. Uh, this eye, the vision in it isn't quite as good. And uh, if I get stressed or tired or jet-lagged, uh, apparently not a bare-faced story won't do it, so that's good. Um, but this eye goes incredibly red and incredibly bloodshot and incredibly hot for 24 hours. So as spider superpowers go... Um, it's, it's not the best, <laughs> um, but I'll take it, and, uh, and I always wear my safety goggles now. Our next storyteller has a pretty great job. He gets to work alongside uh, some of entertainment's uh, biggest stars because he's a comedian himself, and I reckon uh, the biggest hazard working in the entertainment industry would be bumping into these famous people because if you're like me, you're terrified of famous people. Good evening. Um, this is the story of how I got to live a lifelong dream of mine last year and go and be a guest on the show QI with Stephen Fry. 
and then how I think I'm responsible for him then quitting the show. Um, it's true, like, uh, it's been a dream of mine always. I always wanted to be on QI. Uh, I worship Stephen Fry. I, 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 everyone, I'm sure you all love Stephen Fry as well. He's, but you don't understand, like, I love Stephen Fry. Like, to the point where, okay, here's how much. His birthday is on the 24th of August, and my birthday is on the 24th of August. His nose is crooked. My nose is crooked. Um, he got expelled from school in eighth grade. I got expelled from school in eighth grade. And his best friend is Hugh Laurie. And I've seen all of House. And um, <laughs> so I was like, this is going to happen. And, and I got the call. And they asked me to come to London and be a guest on the show. And it was amazing. I flew there. And I got to be. And I, I walked in the studio building. And, 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 and they take you into this green room, like, just for you, and you walk. And I, and I was nervous. I was pacing constantly because I was freaking out. I was so nervous about meeting, like, my hero. And I, drank, I get dry mouth when I'm nervous. I drank, like, two bottles of water. Um, and, then, and then someone came, production assistant came, took me downstairs, and introduced me to people at the bar, which is where they have this bar just before the show starts. And I walk in, and it's Alan Davies, David Mitchell, who's amazing, Sue Perkins, who's amazing, and, and, and I walk in, and I'm not, and I'm just freaking out. And, and I'm like turning different colors, so they give me a bottle of wine, and they like, get some of this in you, so I drank the whole thing. And then Stephen Fry walks in. And, and he goes, and he comes up to me and he goes, hi, good evening, my name is Steven. And I freaked out and I was like, what do you do here? And, <laughs> and he actually laughed, which was great. And then, and then they, they take you into the studio and there's 200 people there to watch the show being recorded live. And, and Stephen Fry sits down, everyone sits down and I sat down and then Stephen Fry says, good evening, good evening, good evening, good evening, good evening. And the show begins and I'm on QI. And I think this is amazing. I get to do this. This is such a lifelong dream of mine. And, and, and this whole thing is happening and I got a laugh in early and I was like, I'm nailing this and it was really great. And that's when I realized I'd had two bottles of water and one bottle of white wine and I forgot to pee before the show started and I really needed to pee suddenly. Like, you know, the moment happens where like you don't need to pee, then you think, oh, I haven't peed and now all of a sudden it's all that you need in life is to pee. And I'm sitting there, and if you actually watch the episode, it's online, there's a 10-minute portion where I say nothing on, like, the, every time the camera cuts to me, I'm changing my position to take my weight off my bladder. And I'm just, like, shifting and moving. And I started panicking, and I was like, oh, my God, this is ridiculous. It's my, it's my goal now. And you don't get this moment many times in life where you get to do the thing you always dreamed of. And I'm blowing it because I need to pee. Like, how can I? And I was like, Sammy, get control of yourself. You're 37 years old. You're an adult. Handle yourself. Focus in. Fix the situation. So I focused, and I concentrated, and I got everything under control. And I was like, I can do this. And if you've ever seen QI, um, the way it's, it's set up is there's the stage, and then on either side of these large screens, and on the screens show footage of the next thing that's going to come up, the next topic of conversation. And the moment I said, Sammy, you've got this, the screens showed waterfalls on either side. And I had to, had no choice. So I, I couldn't, I was like, I, I'm so sorry. I need, and Stephen Fry turns to me, takes one look and he goes, you need to wee. And I was like, yes. And, 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 and a production assistant rushes me to the toilet and I'm unbuckling as I'm running. And I just, I take off my pants, I just slide into the toilet and just start peeing for months. Just, just days and months and years and like equinoxes are changing and it's, it's amazing. And it's the best urination ever. 
and, and it ends and I go, oh, it's the best. And then I buckle up and I go running back in the studio. And as soon as I rush in, 200 people start applauding me. And I was like, yay, they, they like me. They actually like me. That's great. And that's when I was told I left my mic on the entire time. And... Uh, and... And 200 audience members, David Mitchell, Sue Perkins, Alan Davies, who were amazing, and Stephen Fry, my personal hero, heard me pee and started to laugh. And then I peed for so long that they stopped laughing. And then I peed for so long that it got weird. And then I peed for so long that they started laughing again. And then I went, oh. And I think when I came back in, Stephen Fry was like, fuck it, I'm not dealing with this shit anymore. And that's why he quit the show. Thank you so much. My name's Sammy Shah. Thank you. Sammy Shah is a Pakistani stand-up comedian and writer. You can find out more about him at www.sammyshah.com. Check out his book that he's got out at the moment. It's called I, Migrant. It's a smash and read. Bareface stories are recorded live at The Bird by Chris Wright. Music is by Odette Mercy and the Soul Atomics, and our producer and editor is Amber Cunningham. Bareface stories are told live on a tiny stage. In a huge state. In a massive country. Where no one can hear you scream. Or laugh. Or cry. More Bareface stories next week.